Welcome to Season 5 of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast with Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve, the biggest sci-fi podcast in the galaxy. The adventure is just beginning here at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, and we invite you to come aboard the Starship Tangent. We know you'll enjoy the conversation, the laughter, the banner back and forth, and most of all, friends who love hanging out to talk about all things science fiction. Set your phasers to fun. Here we go. Greetings, interstellar listeners of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Buckle up, because we're time warping back to a film from, some might say, the fabulous 1980s. But before we do, make sure you do all the social media stuff and show us some love. Subscribe to us on your go-to podcast platform. Give us a thumbs up, a like, a retweet. Or for the really ambitious among you, write up a dazzling review if your platform allows it. Okay, so let's get down to business, everybody. Have you ever heard of a movie from 1985 called Enemy Mine, starring Dennis Quaid and Lou Gossett Jr.? Now, I discovered it when I was in high school, browsing the paltry science fiction section of my local movie video rental place. And it wasn't even a, a blockbuster, but one of those small independent places before blockbuster existed. So at the time, that was the best and frankly, the only way to watch sci-fi movies. So anywho... Enemy Mine became one of my favorites. Now, I asked my co-hosts to watch or re-watch or re it, and we're going to talk about it today. Now, speaking of co-hosts, let me introduce Brian. Hey, everybody. It's Brian from Ohio. Can I do that over? Can I do that over? Fine. Hey, everybody. It's Brian from Ohio. That sounded much better. I sounded a little... <laughs> from Ohio. Ohio. And let's see. We have Steve. Well, good afternoon, everybody, from the lovely shores of California. We bring Hello. you rock and roll and sci-fi. Excellent, excellent. And Chris. And it's Chris from Toronto. <laughs> I got to go to the car. <laughs> and I love it I'm when you say Toronto. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Well, I'm Adina, and since we're locationizing ourselves, uh, I'm in Maryland. <laughs> Cold Maryland right now. Yep. And well, because I'm the one holding the communicator tonight, I get first dibs on asking questions. Mm -hmm. And well, we're going to start, you know, we're talking about Enemy Mine and we're going to start with just, you know, were you watching this for the first time or have you already seen the movie? Mm -hmm. And what were your first impression and kind of what first impressions if this was the first or mm. re-impressions or you know, along those lines? And we'll start okay. with Brian. Hey, thanks for letting me go first. Uh, I saw this is my second time seeing this film. And the first time was when I was a young lad watching it with my father in our living room on TV. And I remember him being excited for me to see it and said it's a very underrated science fiction film that's pretty great. And so I remember watching it. There's parts of this film I remembered as I rewatched it the second time just this week. Uh, but there were also some surprises that I'm excited to talk about. And um, yeah, so overall, I really think this film has a lot of heart. It's got a good kind of morality theme, anti-war racism, anti-racism, and definitely worth watching as a science fiction fan. This has got to be on your list of sci-fi films to watch. Uh, so there's my hot take. Okay, Steve. Um, I saw it when it first came out in 1985 in the theater hmm. and I don't, I know I've seen it before uh, afterwards since then, but again, watching this weekend, 
You know what they say about rose-colored glasses? <laughs> I was wearing them in the anticipation of watching this film, and then I took them off and put my regular glasses on and realized I didn't remember the second half of this film. Hmm. I remember the hmm. first half, the interaction between Drac and Willis. I do not recall the entire story or anything about the baby, the bad guys, and all that. And I realized this is a movie with two distinct parts. And the second half, as even Roger Ebert said, ain't so good. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. And, and Chris. So this was my first time watching it. And it's this is where I disagree with Steve because I was enjoying the movie. I liked it. I was enjoying I liked the beginning. I like how they set everything up. I liked a lot of the, not conversation, but the, Action between uh, Willis and Drac. And then when the, the baby came, I was like really invested. And then for me, the third act kind of sealed the deal. Where I'm like, now I'm like, I need to stop what I'm doing. I need to like fully watch this because I was not expecting that third act. I thought it was going to be, oh, maybe um, the, you know, I can't remember how, the, how do you pronounce the kid's name that he was calling him? Or calling um, it zombies. It's not a zombies. Yeah. Zombies, yes. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be like zombies is going to grow up. They're going to get rescued. Everything will be happy. But then when like he dies, I was like, oh wait, what? And then he gets rescued, and I'm like, okay, good, mm -hmm. he's back. I'm sure, surely they're not going to kill him off at that point. Was was your heart not cringing as zombies ran towards the slave ship? Yeah, it was. Was it? I was like, okay. oh, no. I was like. Let me just stay calm. Cool. I'm not going to get too work, worked up about this. This is a movie. It's 85. It's going to surely have a happy ending. Nothing's going to go bad here. It's going to be fun. <laughs> and, and then it's not. And then it's like, what? Okay. Something's got to, there's got to be a twist. And then when he wakes up on the station, I was like, okay, this is, this is good. And I liked, I liked all of that stuff. So I felt yeah. for me, like it was a good movie up until the third act. And then it became a great movie, which even when like, mm. obviously the third act is a little bit by the numbers. But for me, because I wasn't expecting it, I enjoyed it a lot more than mm. probably what I'm supposed to. That That's okay. There's no supposed to. I'm not supposed to. I'm supposed to agree with Roger Ebert 100% of the time. No, you're not. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I no. disagree with him a lot. Remember, he is a critic, and that's that's his job. Mm -hmm. Was his job. It was his job. Oh, okay. yes. yes, that's right. Oh. Sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry. No, Sorry. Too now soon. Now too, Debbie. Soon. too soon. Oh, it's been like Debbie a Deb decade, right? Has Debbie it been? Downer. Oh. Okay. Notice what? how I'm not commenting on this, listeners. Okay. <laughs> Any, anywho, so as I mentioned at the beginning, so I'd seen this movie, not just in high school, but I wound up at some point buying my own copy of the videotape. That's how much I liked mm -hmm. it. And I, so I rewatched it a lot back in between high school and college and maybe even early after college. But it's been probably two decades since I've seen it, at mm -hmm. least. And I would say the reasons that I liked the film to begin with, with which was the core story and the core interaction between mm -hmm. Dawitch and Jerry mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then Zombies. You know, the, 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 mm -hmm. the, that core stuff I feel like still held up is still really central to the movie, you know, and all that. But then, and I think now it's just because I'm more sensitive to all these other things and times have changed so much. I was very cringed by <laughs> all the cringy stuff. Yeah, Everything from that's... when in the opening, everything in the opening scene 
Like it's, they're all these very stereotypical, like white male fighter pilots. Okay. There's one token woman, you know, and their, their language and how they're talking about, you know, that nurse that the one kid likes and all that stuff. It was just, I just Don't was, oh my God. Her. Chubby face yeah. or whatever. Yeah, can it was. I can yeah. I jump in for a second? <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah. like the it's like you should never like if you're taking your last your dying breath, you should not have to ask your boss to not shame body shame the person that you're attracted mm-hmm. to. That should just be a basic thing. Yeah, you shouldn't but have to I, do that. But I think but I think this time. Right. And it really shows you how yeah. it was a different time. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that was not that it was good, but it was I'm going to say expected kind of Mm. like, I know when I had seen it, Mm. when I was in high school, it was like, yeah, that's the jerks that guys are, you know, like Mm. when they were actually called, Mm. like, I I feel like I remember having memories of when Mm. they were calling her the bad names saying like jerks, why are these jerks calling this woman? Like, there's nothing wrong with her. Why are you know, like, and I'm glad that now society has generally come to around to that point of view of, yes, that was wrong. And we, you know, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't do it, but yeah, it was really, that was how yeah. things were. So there's a lot of things that uh, a modern viewer right now. And, and so while I agree, I think this was because of the core nature of the film. Yes. Is should definitely be something people watch there is going to be the 1980s cringe factor all the way around from from like and by the way that token woman at the beginning Mm -hmm. and the end of the film carolyn mccormick in the episode 11001 oh so she's Oh, okay in that episode of next generation i was googling her and i couldn't see her in in the credits yeah. Ding, 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 folks. We just had our first Star Trek episode yes. or reference. We've I'm done our so job. Happy. So also, there's a couple <laughs> things of interest. I found a video online of things you don't know about Enemy Mine or may not have known. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had it had its issues. It's It actually had two directors. The first director was not producing anything near what the what the studio wanted. And then they had to bring in a second director, uh, who who um, Wolfgang Peterson. Yeah, what a cool name, Wolfgang <laughs> Peterson, who made the greatest World War II film of all time. If you have not seen Das Boot, you have mm. to put four hours outside and watch <laughs> the greatest submarine film you've ever seen. A film that's so good, you're rooting for the Nazis to survive that's I how remember, good this movie. i saw the movie as a kid and i remember yeah. they ate an orange that's it <laughs> well he just got <laughs> off he was making in the middle of making the never-ending story Ooh. which is and also wonderful so film. They, yeah so they had to postpone oh, he did that they had to postpone this production he wanted to do the film uh, but he, part of part of his contract was they would wait until he was done with the never-ending story um and so yeah this this gentleman oh he's he's he is some really great movies a remarkable air force one yeah air force one Uh, i was just uh thinking about air force one the other day yeah Yeah. get off on my plane yeah you do a pretty good uh harrison ford well because i'm getting close to his age so But anyways, I di- I digress. That, that I'm sorry about that, folks. The, the film w- had its uh, share of troubles, mm-hmm. and it was way over budget. 
Wolfgang Peterson said, I need more money to make this film. Uh, they filmed for three months. That you, you sent us a video, Dina. Yeah. And Gossa said they move. They filmed for three months, and almost all of that footage was lost, or had to be reshot. Uh, it was mm-hmm. so bad. Uh, and then the makeup was bad, and all sorts of stuff. So, what was interesting uh, is in one of Lou Gossett's one of those little interviews. It mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, when they were asking him how he got cast, and some of it was just his willingness to deal with the makeup, which was pretty, you know, insane, yeah. you know, in, intense. And I think, you know, when I was a kid watching, watching this, I, I didn't have appreciation for really what was all involved in that, that mm-hmm. I do do now. And he was saying that even with those like contacts and he's, he was effectively blind. So mm-hmm. that, that I find that very impressive because again, you know, actors take cues and all these things off of other actors mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. work like that, you know, is uh, is pretty impressive. But yeah, his willingness to do that was part of the reason he was cast. It's very interesting because, you know, Elaine was asking after we watched the movie, she goes, I wonder why they picked Dennis Quaid and Lou Gossett Jr. to be in this film. And I realized I went ahead and looked back and I said, you know, Lou Gossett Jr. had just two years ago had been in Officer and Gentleman, an acclaimed mm. film. Mm-hmm. And and Dennis Quaid was two years ago was in The Right Stuff, an astronaut mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like they were at the they were at the beginning of the pinnacle of their careers. And like, hey, you want two A listers listers in your film? Mm-hmm. They got them. So so they got them. And you know, well this this was not their first film together either. Oh really? They were in one of the Jaws movies. Oh, it was either two or three. Oh. Uh, you oh. know, highly acclaimed. Sequel. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. I Original the... Jaws film. Uh, not. We need a bigger, but, better film. Yeah. But it was incredible because from what I watched uh, that they had some sort of chemistry even back then. Like they were familiar with each mm-hmm. other. And uh, so, yeah. So I watched well, parts is... of Jaws 2 in a hospital with no sound, but Dylan and I were having a ball. It was hilarious. <laughs> so is the fact that Randy Quaid is Jack Quaid's dad, Jack Quaid, who plays Boimler in Lower Decks. Is that another Star Trek connection officially or not? Oh. He's the dad, not the actual actor. Oh, I didn't realize <laughs> that. That's so cool. Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't know that, that, that yeah. Jack Quaid was related to uh, yeah, Dennis ja- Quaid. Yep. Right? Really? Quaid. No. Yeah. 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 Jack Quaid, who plays Boimler, is yeah. Dennis Quaid's son. Well, that's, that's really cool. cool. Yeah. Then, then he also knows about his crazy uncle, Randy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they all related? Yeah. Is that true? Oh, yeah, they sure. Yeah, Randy. <laughs> yeah, Randy Quaid and Dennis are brothers, and uh, one got the looks, and the other one got the crazy. And I know who's got the looks. <laughs> I agree. Randy Quaid is definitely the the looks for sure. Oh, this is Russell Quaid. This is this is Russell K. I'm I'm ready for some payback. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, keep it coming. Keep it coming. <laughs> all right. Sorry, every- yeah, you got some Adina. other great questions. Take over, take over. You got the I think we, we covered we covered overall impressions. Yeah. I think. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, so I've got some really wacky questions. Uh-huh. I like you're ready them. for wacky questions. Please okay. Go well, ahead. I because just just in, that are inspired by the fact that what they had to go through, you know, mm-hmm. so that you got these two aliens stranded on a planet, and I know one of one of, I think it was Ebert's criticisms was it that the drax were portrayed as too human-like which mm-hmm. i think for those of us who are star trek fans we're, we're kind of used to that we kind of accept 
that that's going to happen in order to make some of this work that it, it's going to be rare to really have a truly alien, alien, alien. So, okay. So yes, it's humanoid ish, you know, mm-hmm. but now imagine being stranded with someone and you had to teach them English. Mm-hmm. What, what's the first word or phrase that you need them to learn or want them to learn? Right. Or you're going to teach them anyway, because why right. not? Right. Well, I forgot the stranded part of this question when I answered mm-hmm. it in my head. Okay. Okay. Because without, if, if we're talking stuck with an alien in my town, mm-hmm. without a doubt, the phrase they need to learn is quarter pounder with cheese and a diet Coke. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what they need to learn if they want to survive. I agree. What if they're like vegetarian, Besides, like, like the Vulcans were? Uh, they have salad options at McDonald's. Then, then impossible burger. Sure impossible impo- burger. You want to go the impossible burger? No. Besides, we come in peace. That's okay. That's yeah. what. Okay. But no, it was stranded. You're no. stranded. I'm so stranded. Yeah. It's just, it's just Let you. the yeah, other guys go. I'll think again. Okay. I'm, I forgot. Okay. That part. I, I, for me, it's simple. Friend, not enemy. Establish from the beginning that you have to get together and work together. Otherwise, no one survives. So you have to establish a friendship if you're going to do anything. Okay. You also did not answer the question because you you, you sure. are you're, you're well the, no no it's well but the thing is the word in and of itself doesn't actually establish the thing it's just the word well, the action you the word you'd have to yeah. uh, Okay. okay. I don't know. I don't know if that's right. I don't know if I'm accepting that. Hey, alien hey. English. <laughs> what word or phrase? What how did he not yeah, answer that? Well, because he went on to describe he's describing a concept. Well, but yeah, but the just but what's the the words said, the words have to be part of the concept. You have to express yourself that friend, you know, that you have to Okay. I mean, yeah, go, anyway. Wow. I'm right. being harsh tonight. <laughs> That's okay. No, no, Chris. Chris, Chris, go ahead. I'm, I'm be careful. And, and, and on on. Eggs, eggs, folks, eggs. folks <laughs> and Chris so. is our alien, or we are aliens to him. So I would based say on nationality. Right? Oh, okay. shelter. Oh, okay. shelter. Rook. Okay. The first thing you can get is once you can establish a shelter, then you can figure everything else out. But as long as like you have that. a place, but, that you see can... again, I think you're also not answering the question. Here's the thing: is okay. Yes, see now, I'm curious. Things. Now I'm fascinated well, by this. Well, so if I'd Please ask the question, me. what do you need to accomplish with your the, with your alien counterpart? Yeah. Yes, establishing a friendly relationship, yeah. establishing shelter. Those are important concepts to do. Mm-hmm. But you're just trying to teach them an English word. You guys can establish shelter. You guys can accomplish building shelter together without any language. You guys can also establish a friendly rapport without language. But you're now trying to teach that person English. Well, remember in the film, in the film, Randy Quaid starts yelling at him. Hey, want to eat? Give me some food. You know, it's like, well, how is the alien going to understand when you're yelling at him? Go to Europe. You know how the ugly American always described as the ones who's yelling at people. Mm-hmm. Trying to get them to get them a croissant in front. I would like. I would but like I, to read the question as so a okay. correct answer. <laughs> if you had to teach okay. alien English, what word or phrase would you want them to learn first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like how I feel like uh, based off of what Adina has has said, she really wanted out of this mm-hmm. question. I fit the bill better than the other two. I just want to a, that a little. Yes, I would say I would say a little bit, a little bit. Um, 
We understand, Adina, what you're saying now. Yeah. You know, no. but. Yeah. Well, because again, no. I agree that building shelter is important and mm -hmm. establishing friendly stuff is important. And, and I agree that yelling at the person is not a great way to do either of those things. But none of that is about actually sitting down and teaching. And again, maybe not sitting down, but just teaching, hey, you, you need this alien mm. to, to have a word. Mm -hmm. Or two that under you know that he, that they're going to say. Uh, like, in are you English. thinking please and thank you something like that? Well, or well, that, so that would have been more. That would have been more. Well, there's no correct. Well, there's there. Okay, there are wrong answers. <laughs> we, <but there's> <laughs> okay, so don't don't say you can't claim there's no incorrect answer. <laughs> if they're wrong, all right. There's See, answering Chris, the question Chris, I asked, and there's answering questions yeah, I didn't actually there's, ask. There's something okay. Chris, Chris will learn. <laughs> Steve and I, as married men, we're moving right along. We're we're used to this uh, situation in our lives. Um, yeah, well, for for but, us, the phrase hey, is Steve has been disputing yeah, it as much as I have. And, and, I want and, and the Chris, record to reflect that, please. And Chris is as, is as a soon fun. to be married man. I'm, I'm, you, you you will remember this phrase very important. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yes, dear. Just two I don't words. Know. Oh, man. I don't words. know if you I say want to that, respond. You'll survive. You'll survive. Oh, How about okay. that worm he ate? Okay. That, that looked really we're gonna disgusting. Get in, that's later on. I, yeah, I, no, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to yeah. hear Adina's. Adina, what, I, I, what, give us kind of an phrase? idea yeah, of what, what you yeah, were thinking. Uh -huh. So I, I think I was thinking maybe something along the lines <laughs> of, uh, you know, screen, like, a word like danger or something because let's mm. say you know you're off on this end of the camp working on something um buddy's off on this end of the camp and mm -hmm. then those meteors start falling you know just danger it's like something mm -hmm. that is going to be clear that needs to be communicated verbally you know it's like what needs to be like have clear verbal communication stop you, know, you can go Maybe sure. maybe just one word. Stop. You know, yes. yeah. you and can what convey I said, that I said easily. Word or yeah. Phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. So things yeah. like that. Defecate that... over there. <laughs> Not Poop. here. Yeah. yeah. You know, go. Yeah. <laughs> Latrine. Important. Latrine. Word. There you go. There That's you go. right. Well, okay. no, it's important to us. We don't know about an alien. No, we yeah. don't know what yeah. their situation is. I mean, I'm sure they yeah. we call it a John, they might call it a uh, neck, neck, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Let's move on to your next question, which I really My next like. question. Okay, yes. well, <laughs> you know, so obviously, um, Dawich said, so, you know, that's good. talks about Mickey Mouse, mm -hmm. he, you know, Mickey, and mm -hmm. he, he makes it sound like Mickey Mouse is actually, um, you know, one of our high deities. Mm -hmm. So, what, what would you actually tell an alien species about Mickey Mouse? And actually, at this mm -hmm. point. If if you we were recreating this movie today, mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. Mickey Mouse still the right that, thing yeah, for I, that thing? Yeah, yeah. And I and I'll explain the reason why. Mm -hmm. He would say, Mickey Mouse is a beloved character of humanity, and he has four fingers, not three or five, <laughs> only four. You know, Homer Simpson only has four characters, four fingers too. That's right. <laughs> It's it's because it's because Wall felt it was less time to draw only four fingers than five. Was that a Matt Groening? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Too? Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> okay. See, I, this is. Oh, so right. no. Go, go ahead. With. Go ahead. See, this is where I struggle with the question because, like, the relevancy thing. I feel like now Mickey Mouse is still relevant, but Mickey Mouse. <clears throat> 
it's weird. It's not a background character. It's just that everybody knows Mickey Mouse is part of Disney. But I feel like there's so many other bigger Disney characters that it's like thinking about what Mickey Mouse would say, like the way people don't necessarily watch um, Looney Tunes anymore, Mm -hmm. I feel like is where Mickey Mouse is at. People recognize Mickey Mouse, but I don't think he would be the appropriate like, oh, Mickey, this is you should know know about Mickey Mouse. Mm -hmm. But I don't know who would replace that, to be honest. Bart Simpson. (laughs) Bart Simpson. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. I would say, let me introduce you to Shrek. Ooh. Ooh. I like Shrek. Yeah. I like me some Shrek. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Okay. Or how about uh, Boimler? We'll introduce him to <laughs> Boimler. He'll become the new future character. Everybody likes Boimler. <laughs> Who the heck is Boimler? Boimler. <laughs> He's got purple hair. Come on. What else may you want from like kids? All right. Okay. Yeah, that was not the that was not my favorite. That was, turns out to be not my favorite. That's question. fine. That's fine. That's fine. Not Go my favorite. Next. How about your next one? Your next okay. one is good. Okay. Okay. So now you are stranded on a planet with someone. So we're we're, we're yeah. doing the mm-hmm. theme of being stranded mm-hmm. with with people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. if you're stranded on a planet with someone from another species, mm-hmm. what species would you want that to be? So you know, think about species from Star Trek, from Star Wars, mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. from anything. So and. And I was thinking about if I should add some caveats, like oh, maybe okay. you guys don't, maybe there's no universal translator. So yes, you've got that situation where oh. you, you don't. So <clears throat> who do you want to be stranded with and you can't communicate with initially? It's easy oh. for me. It's I'm going with the Star Trek alien and I want to be stranded with the Klingon because I think Klingons are also good hunters. Okay. So the opportunity to collect food and meat might be very strong with the Klingon. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should. So, um, but you probably don't want to be stranded with them where you guys were just shooting at each other five minutes prior. Because mm-hmm. then the Klingon's coming for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Chris? my answer, Adina. I don't yeah. know. I know it's not answer, right? I know I need to, but I'm just thinking in the context of the in the context of the movie. Yeah. It, anyway, they yeah. were shooting at each other mm. five minutes before they crash right. landed, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and so yeah. even though I did well, not explicitly there's... say it in the question, that's kind was kind of I think the okay. Chris, yeah. well, I, I'm, as yeah. long as there's not hand to hand combat, mm-hmm. I think I might survive. Okay, Chris. See now, I'm, now I'm now I'm wondering, but I was gonna go with a changeling because they can shape shift, and I feel like oh. that's got to be a great advantage. Okay, just because they can become things, they can. If there's any animals, they can become an animal and probably take them out. So you're not have okay. to worry about other people hunting you. But then you bring up, I don't want a changeling after me. I'd rather mm-hmm. not have no. that. But you know what? I'm still going to go with that. So I'd rather, you know what? You're probably going to die anyway. <laughs> you also have a child. That's really okay. negative. Okay. Changeling okay. could be hugely entertaining in so many different ways. Right. Yeah. Also, I just think so. I just, that'd be so cool to see them morph. Like, what a great way to go out if they come at, come at you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my choice is <laughs> an Andorian. I, I go with the Andorian. Mm-hmm. Because okay. they've got survival skills, they're military. They are if they respect you if you stand up to them. And I think that uh, I, I wouldn't. I would have no problem surviving with an Andorian. Besides, you know, mean they, by end- they don't try to kill you. <laughs> That's the smart well, answer. Because it, 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 yeah, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, because you're right. Because they don't care about solid or changelings don't like solid. So. Uh, maybe you're right. Yeah, we are, I don't yeah, know. You're, yeah, yes, as I recall the last words of a certain changeling when she was ejected out into space, mm-hmm. what she thinks of us. 
Let's and not forget them. here, folks, that these two fellows were mortal <laughs> enemies. Right. They right. wanted to kill each other. At first. And they were at first. And that's what mm-hmm. we're assuming mm-hmm. happens with our characters mm-hmm. as I interact with this Klingon. Mm-hmm. That, yes. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the goal is to be able to work past the differences. and Right. Yeah. Get right. Off the so planet. I think I've got the perfect answer. Go ahead. Okay. Since I you came up with the question. With a betazoid. Ah, no. Because, yes, because there, I think we have the best chance for working out a way to communicate. Very good. Mm, I like that. Yeah. When I drop my hostile intent and go into survival mode, they'll know that I'm no longer trying. Yes, ups in space. Maybe I was trying to kill you, but now, now I'm not. Now I'm not. Now we got to survive. And they can intuit that. And then we can start working together. Okay, are we are we talking Betazoid, like half Betazoid, like Deanna Troy, where it's all emotions, or are you no, wanting actual betazoid. thoughts? Holy on, crap! That's pretty. Smart, that wouldn't actually. also terrify you a little that they can hear yes, everything. And... I'm probably already terrified because you know mm. we I'm stranded on this planet and I don't know what the heck's going to happen. So, but your every yeah. thought though. Yeah, you, you okay. don't want to be like you don't want to be like the people in that city with little Anthony. Yes, Anthony, it's a very good day today. Yes, yes, that was nice what you did, Anthony. Ooh, don't kill me, please. Yes. That's ruined cornfields for me. It's just because <laughs> of the willies. In theory, this isn't you know this is hopefully a temporary situation until we can figure right. out how to get rescued. Yes, exactly. I think that's okay. pretty smart. I think you know what I think beta. Yeah, that's probably the best option. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next question. Your next question, which is also really a good one, too. Okay, so this is born out of the fact that so the the Drax had this little book, which I always that was like a little prop that I loved. I love that concept of having because I love books. So having Mm -hmm. a little book Mm -hmm. on like a a necklace, like I always thought that was really cute. So they have a little a book that they consider sacred. Now, Mm -hmm. if you had to pick a book to take with you into a survival situation, Mm -hmm. which would it be? Any decent camping book, even the Boy Scout handbook, something that would teach you how to make a fire, how to build a shelter, how to how to how to survive. That's really it. Or Mad Libs, one or the other. I don't know. Deep interest. <laughs> well, so the, the thing <laughs> with the survival <laughs> thing, and this is going to go <laughs> into the next question I have, is mm-hmm. the problem is, is so you're on an alien world, mm-hmm. and like like a Boy Scout survive the modern day Boy Scout survival manuals and, and all those kinds of books assume you're on planet Earth with mm-hmm. the kinds of fauna and flora and animals mm-hmm. and resources mm-hmm. that would typically be found on Earth. That is not necessarily going to be true on some alien world. She hasn't liked a single one of our answers so far. I'm, I'm apparently I'm in a mood <laughs> no, today. No, but that's that's kind of your best <laughs> response. I think that is true to, mm. you know... Um, everything would be somewhat different mm-hmm. um i still say it's a good well thoughtful it's a thoughtful answer still mm-hmm. thank you yeah. yeah well that was the reason i think i was already prepared to kind of counter his answers i think that was my original thought too is uh, I, I was thinking oh mm-hmm. a survival guide but then i'm like but what survival guide's going to help me in that Nick crazy picker's guide to the galaxy <laughs> well, I will I will tell you this. When I was in middle school, we had a teacher and he used to on Fridays, he would pose a question. He'd ask us. And one of the questions was, what book would you take if you were on a deserted island? And mm. nine times out of 10, most of the little boys in the school said Playboy. Oh, geez. 
That's not a book. That's a magazine. I know, but they still wanted to take it. They want to have. But I seem to go there tonight. Sorry, folks. What do you expect for eighth graders? Okay, that's what we are. Our answer was Playboy. Yeah. <laughs> I would. Okay. I would. I'm going to get a little spiritual. I, I would sure. say the Bible for me. Okay. Um, I mean, Drake had that basically the, his Bible and spiritual mm-hmm. formation mm-hmm. book and lineage, whatever, you know. Um, and I thought they handled that. I thought there was one particular scene where he's reciting something and Quaid has got a great moment of acting as he's hearing this and being reverent uh, with it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and interested in it. Yeah. So for me, it would be. It would be the Bible because there's tons of stories in it, for one thing. Mm-hmm. It might help me remember why I want to survive mm-hmm. um, and give me some inspiration. So, very good. Okay. And it's a big old book. It's got a, mm-hmm. yeah. so you could swack some of the, the, the fauna and flora that's after you with it because <laughs> it's big. And say, I am right, smiting right. you. I am I'm... smiting you with this book. <laughs> There's no smiting. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> not from this Chris. one guy. At okay. Least. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Chris, go so, ahead. So, Bible's up there. I see. This is where it's hard because I'm now. I'm I'm learning more about the Bible. I'm going to church with Dill a lot, so I'm like mm-hmm. experiencing it for the first time. Um, but if, if I'm being nostalgic, I'd say uh, I can't decide which. I, you know, I'm going to say f- the Philosopher's Stone of Harry Potter first one just because i love really i love those books i grew up with them um and i feel like i would need a bit of a happy place and even though it's not trek it would still be there because as much as i love trek i don't love it in book form the same way i love harry potter and book form very i'd probably say philosopher stone okay i like that i like that a lot that 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 book has inspired a lot of kids to become readers so yes that's a good oh yes yeah i did that for me it's like all right now i'm actually into books they can be cool Mm -hmm. They can be, absolutely. So, you know, I did go down the same path you did, Steve, thinking like, you know, something useful and survivally. Mm -hmm. And then again, I I nixed that for myself. So I got Mm -hmm. really stuck on this and decided on um, a final snarky answer. Um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, sorry. No, I don't mean the fictional book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I mean, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Then I have all the information I need. With the big, with the big words that say, "Don't, don't panic. panic" on the front of it makes you feel good yes. because yep. and all the ant, you're right. All the all answers, the answers in the, are in there. Are right in there. You're right. So can we just I say, say the cue? Real book. I love it. Well, that cue's not a book. Q's no, a not person. a book. But I mean, just for the like, if you're going to say that, I say, "Well, I've make cue the this alien species you're trapped that's with." That's what I was just you, thinking. You could, that's that's a valid answer. That's a valid answer. It's a valid answer, although. Technically, I don't think unless the Q has been lost his powers, he's not Why stranded. Why would he be stranded? Nope, That's nope, good. Nope, nope, nope. What about the the Q from Voyager who was trapped in the asteroid field? Well, suppose that asteroid crashed on a planet and Q was there. Oh yeah, I don't remember that. I don't, I don't remember, remember that. Wish. <laughs> ding ding ding. I'm not as Chris up on comes my up Voyager. with the most obs- obscure Uh-oh. reference, and thank you so much. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Okay, next this. question. Okay. Come on, so, next question. Next question. Thinking in the, the survival theme. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, does it seem like whatever flight school that Davich went to, like, actually had survival training? So they crash land, and he basically he buries his friend, and, or his co-pilot, or whatever you know, the, the navigator, whatever, 
position that that guy was. And then he instantly basically goes after revenge and goes after mm-hmm. after Jerry, mm-hmm. which is not quite logical because, yes, you should be thinking about, you know, you just crashed. Mm-hmm. You need to be thinking of the survival, not just going mm-hmm. after this guy. Mm-hmm. Now, because his own ship blew up, in theory, yes, now the other guy has something, something. So, mm-hmm. but he's he's driven not by survival, but by revenge. Yeah. Anyway, so the point is, is like, do we even think that he had any kind of survival training at all? And he didn't seem, and even when he kind of got in with with Jerry, he, he didn't know how to build a shelter. Not really. He didn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem to really mm-hmm. know how to do anything, or know what was up, or okay. know. He should. Okay. He should have some survival training. Like, I, I feel like when if you're gonna fly spaceships around the galaxy. Mm-hmm. You ought to be you ought to be trained so well that you're like MacGyver on steroids, mm-hmm. that you can build anything, get into anything, you know, make make this work with a few little odds and ends, okay. you know. Um, and so I think I think it, that should be the case that they should know survival training of some kind, and also I want to say. That it was crazy that he, I, I think they had to establish more than just what they did in the outer space stuff of how much these two uh, races hated each other, mm-hmm. how these two beings. So I think it was a story plot uh, in typical 80s style mm-hmm. of him uh, uh, practically being crazy out of mm-hmm. his mind yeah. on revenge. I mean, it wasn't just... Uh, I've got to kill him to survive or he shot. It was Quaid played it like he was kind of out of his mind mm-hmm. uh, with revenge, not just uh, he killed my brother. You know, it was yeah, 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 crazy yeah. way they portrayed that. Okay. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Chris. Yeah. I was going to say I, it's hard because I, I think ultimately you're right. I don't think he did have survival training. I have to admit though, with the shelter, I was impressed up until it fell apart. I was like, that's actually pretty <laughs> legit. I don't know that I could build a shelter like that. But mm-hmm. then it fell apart. So right. he couldn't die. He couldn't die. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like it's one of those things where he took it a long time ago, but it's just, he's rusty on it. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know often you take survival okay. training when you're like in the military, but I feel like it's one of those, you take it your first year and then you graduate and then you go on, you do your thing for a long time. And then it's like you're a little bit rusty. I'm gonna so have to ask some of the military people I know to include my my hubby. I'll ask. Yeah, because I want. I'm curious about that. Yeah. Now I'm curious too. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting is that Apollo astronauts were trained in survival, and they had survival kits on board mm-hmm. the Apollo capsules because if the Apollo capsule landed where it wasn't supposed to, they could survive with mm-hmm. the equipment that they had. In this particular film, no. But then they really didn't get into that. And unlike Robinson Crusoe on Mars or even The Martian, they did explain the survival skills that they were taught. You saw the equipment that they had. Even in Robinson Crusoe, he mm-hmm. had the audio tapes, the videotapes that showed him how he was to build a shelter, look for portable water, even though, of course, in the movie, you know, we they have fun with that. But these two guys, yeah, they they had no survival equipment, no survival training, and they should have been dead in a couple of days. 
more well, on that Jerry, later. Jerry actually seemed like he had a little bit going he on. He did start He's a fire. Yes, he had a fire mm-hmm. going. So, yes, that's so Jerry, maybe. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Willis, like, no, you're right, Brian. He was just bent on, I'm going to kill you. I don't care if I die or not. Right. You know, you know what Willis had, though, and I think I think this is interesting kind of comparison here is that Jerry, the jock, really um, maybe had some more of the skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Willis was the one with the determination like they all through the movie. He kept overcoming, kept working through the hardships mm-hmm. and emotionally, I feel was driving that team Mm -hmm. forward um, to survive. Now, he was just the emotional human, and Drock was a little more reserved. um, Yeah, but But I would would say, though, for for we understand the human motivation. We understand the will to survive. We understand the the, to try and to, yeah, Mm -hmm. I want to get rescued and hold out hope. Given that this is an alien species, maybe they don't have anything like that. Maybe it's, you know, from all we know... It is like, mm-hmm. okay, crash land. I'm, I'm, that's it. That's, that's, you know, they don't have that. Maybe that's just par- not part of their, their DNA. And mm-hmm. so at some point when he, when he, you that's know, so he wants to survive, but he's not necessarily, it's like, okay, if they find me, they do. If they don't, they don't, and whatever. And I've made peace with it. And that might mm-hmm. be more part of their culture than, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. okay. I don't know. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Okay. Well, so overall, what do you guys think was the most memorable moment of the film? There okay, so uh there was two scenes. One of them made me tear up, and I'm trying to because I know I was like because I was cleaning up my room while I was watching it, mm-hmm. and there was a point when uh Willis is talking to can you say the kid's name again? Zamis. Zamis. And Zamis. And Zamis is saying, Why can't I be like you? I want to be human. Yeah. And I'm like, let me go yeah. throw out some of this stuff, like let me go into the other room and put this bag away. Because I'm trying to tear up. Like that's the scene that I, I think Aww. will stick with me. Because it's just anytime there's a kid on screen and they're having that kind of conversation, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this is this is hitting me. Yeah, I thought that was actually some of the best dialogue mm-hmm. that did work for a modern audience was in yeah. in Willis's response was actually a mm-hmm. great response. Mm-hmm. It was very yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, what else? For, what else, guys? For me, it was when Drac and Willis are arguing and Drax starts to laugh in his face. It's just like, this Mm. was one of the most human moments between the two that they're finally, even they're, they're just bonding over humor. And I thought that was Mm. really the point where the transition of their characters from being mortal enemies to having to get and figure things out for themselves. Mm. And again, the same thing, like you said, building the structure and Drax just laughs in his face when he sees it all fall apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I liked I liked when the time they were arguing and uh, Willis is actually over top of him choking him. Oh, yeah, that's and brutal. And then the asteroids start to fall because they're mm-hmm. just desperate again. And the asteroids start to fall and Willis has to, he sits back and says, are we going crazy? Mm-hmm. Um that yeah. whole scene I thought was pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I got to say, just for sentimental value, I loved 
Willis teaching Zamis how to play football. <laughs> and when they're kind of doing that stutter step, you know, getting ready mm-hmm. to run, uh, that was just fantastic. I thought that was And when was you're a... all done, you get to eat the ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, thought that I looked... was that was a great way. That and was. that was kind of paired with that discussion. Um, that was kind of in that whole sequence of different scenes with him and Zamis that um, was just very heartwarming and made okay. you – love that little guy mm-hmm. and want him to grow up and be happy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think every, you know, all the things with zombies, I think was, was pretty, uh, which was kind of interesting when we started this whole discussion and Steve, you were saying that you didn't remember like the second half of the film mm-hmm. and to me, I'm like everything with the kid, that is a lot of, to me, that was a lot of the memorable stuff. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, I looked up the, the actor who played zombies, his name is Bumper Robinson and he's, it seems like he's still active. He does a lot of, mostly over the years, he's done voice work. Oh, really? Um, okay. And a lot of animation and a lot of video games. And, and it seems like he's still fairly active. That's which good. Which is kind of neat to see. Neat to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. And well, so we, we talked about the casting a, a little mm-hmm. bit, but do you, do you guys think it was well cast? Do you think Dennis Quaid and Lou Gossett Jr., do you think those were the right uh, right choices? I, I think Lou Gossett Jr. was great in it. And he, I mean, through the makeup, Cause you know, like the, the, the interesting teeth and the eye, the, he, he, he was able to get his expressions across mm-hmm. and he did really well. I, I, I give him higher points than, than Dennis Quaid. I think Dennis Quaid often yeah. would overact his scenes or overact his character, hmm. but I think Lou Gossett was just straight with his character. Yeah, I Gossett like had the, had the harder acting job mm-hmm. For um, sure. yeah. and yeah, I think Quaid had. I, I don't know if I would I can't imagine this with any other two actors personally. Um, but I just I think that it, as far as like uh, at uh, at the time, I thought I thought Quaid did. I thought Quaid had his really great. I mean, really great moments in this film. And then some like you say, Steve, over the top. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, okay. I I was happy with both of them. Like I I think Lucasic Jr. did amazing did an amazing job, and Dennis Quaid mm-hmm. is always someone that I don't think he's like the most incredible actor ever. But I always like it when he shows up in a movie. Someone's like, "Hey, cool, it's a Dennis Quaid movie," and mm-hmm. he usually does a good job. And I think he he did a really good job, and he played the different like levels of like I'm crazy with revenge to all right, mm-hmm. we got to work this out to I'm determined to to save you. Um, yeah, I think all those different like modes are very good. And and again, if you've seen him in the in the right stuff, he is the flamboyant a Mercury astronaut, which he carries over into this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So of course, now you know, Brian, you've trained me to ask about the music mm-hmm. <laughs> and the score of the film. And and I actually really noticed it. Like I, I normally, you know, I know a couple of times I haven't been noticing it as we watch movies, mm-hmm. but I noticed it this time. So mm-hmm. what do you, what do you guys think? And, and Brian, I'm starting with you. Uh, what do you guys think right. of the music? I think yeah. you noticed it because it mm-hmm. wasn't that good. Okay. I think it stood out. Really? Way, I think it stood out way too much. And the fact that Adina's saying she really, it almost couldn't avoid hearing it is, uh-huh. I think that's a problem for a film score. I think, okay. I think it has to have moments where you go oh that's beautiful and that's i feel exactly mm-hmm. what that music is doing. i think th- some of the music got a little bit in the way um now that being said i'm going to go back and find the soundtrack and listen to it separately okay. and see what i think 
<laughs> but as far as storytelling, I felt I, the same thing for me. Dan. I'm like, oh, that's mm-hmm. I, I just felt it was. Okay. Uh, you know, and maybe maybe that's a mixing problem too, perhaps. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, a uh, I just a sound, okay. yeah, sound okay. issue. Okay. But uh, I f- I feel like it did get in the way and didn't really help. Really, okay. there was a couple moments where it was nice. I'm mm-hmm. not saying it was total garbage by any means, <laughs> but I just I think it got in the way too much. It was too noticeable. Okay. I um, go ahead, Chris. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you go first. I've, I've, I've got some interesting so comments. So polite. I think, so for me, Canadian. I felt like, right. So What's your like, excuse? No, I feel like, um, <laughs> like halfway through, I noticed it a lot more. And I mm-hmm. thought, I don't know if it's because I was maybe more engaged with the movie, mm-hmm. like halfway through. But mm-hmm. I thought it was a better. I don't think I like, I don't. It didn't feel like Brian, where it's just like I didn't like the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a perfectly good soundtrack. I'm like, okay, that's mm-hmm. a good score. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd have to listen to it again. Like usually, it takes me yeah. three or four times of listening to a score before I'm like, I either hate it or I love it. But I thought, yeah, it was perfectly serviceable. That's mm-hmm. how I would describe it. All right. So as Elaine and I are watching it, and they get to the scene, it's a beautiful shot scene where they're on a ridge. They're black, they're black image against the kind of the orange sky. And the music comes up and she goes, wait a minute, hot, stop. That's the music from Mad Max 3, Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> and I went, wait a minute, hold on. Let me, th-. and we backed up and listened. I said, oh my God, the whole sequence in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, when they meet the children, this is the almost the exact musical score. It's and not in the that same film, composer, is it? It is the same composer. Yeah, kids. Yeah, it's it's exactly. Yes, it is. And I'm so we at, looked, yeah. we stopped the film, we looked it up, we went, oh my God, Maurice Girard, he did both films. And you know how, <laughs> and you know how music, you know, music, uh, conductors in various films, you can say, oh, that's a John Barry mm-hmm. soundtrack or that is whatever. And I'm going, this is almost you, you go ahead and go find the music from Mad Max 3 Beyond Thunderdome. It was the same year. Play, yeah, that was the same year. Yes, exactly. That's, that's just funny. like he just reused the music again for another film. But in Mad Max, it's beautiful and it works in, to me. It's like, OK, it was a fond memory huh. to that movie. So I wonder if there's something to maybe like it was really made for Mad Max, but then they wound up using it here, too. And that's part it, of why it's noticeable to me and Brian where it's like maybe it's maybe because it wasn't really made for this film. <laughs> I don't know. Can I, can I blow your mind for two seconds? Yeah, go ahead. Please yeah. do. We're going to Star Trek territory. Search for Spock <laughs> uh-huh. and the amazing Spider-Man 2012. There's a sequence when Peter is first learning how to swing and use all his powers. And you mm-hmm. can hear the because it's James Horner who did both movies. And mm-hmm. you can hear the buildup of um, music that is in the leaving, mm-hmm. stealing the Enterprise scene. Mm-hmm. And there's like a like maybe four or five seconds where I'm like, oh, same thing. Check that out. Hey, hmm. come on. So it's always cool when you can like hear be like, oh yeah, that's this composer. And hey, you know, oh, come yeah, on. Right. When 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 Jurassic Park came out, everybody said, wait a minute, that's the music from see in uh what's it? See the dun today in a Chevrolet. Da, da, da. It was the same <laughs> music at da da dun 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 da da. Everybody picked That's up on that. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, though he didn't write the Chevrolet theme, I don't think so. But anyway, but yeah, but but those exactly almost note for note, there's the same music in both films. Huh. Check it out, Brian. I I'm going to. I can't find the Enemy Mind soundtrack on Spotify though. Yeah. 
Well, maybe just go look for the Mad Max one, and there you go. You got the same thing. Yeah, yeah. If you can find <laughs> Beyond Thunderdome, you'll you'll hear it, and you go, uh, yeah, I see that. But it was very, uh, and Elaine was one who caught it before I did, which was oh, kind of funny. That's it's pretty great. cool. All right. Okay. Funny. Well, so now if the film today, if they did a reboot of this film, okay. Yeah. Who would you cast for the main mm-hmm. characters and possibly what what other changes would you make? Ooh, can I go first? You go yeah. first because yeah. I, I, I'd I like to rant a little bit after everyone. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. I'm excited to yes. hear this rant. I, 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 yes, I would like to rant a little bit, but go ahead. Okay. Okay. So I landed on Timothy Chalamet. As okay, Willis, yeah. Okay. And David Ajala as mm. the Drac. And I kind of, I kind of, I, I need to clarify. I went back and forth. I was thinking of various different actors for both ro- roles. And that's just kind of, mm-hmm. I think those two would be interesting together. Okay. Can I, can I go off of that for a second? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, been struggling with the concept of casting because there's just so many people I don't know. But since you mentioned David Ajala, how about Ajala as Willis and Doug Jones, who oh. we know oh, works that makes up really well mm-hmm. as Jerry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would work very well. Although yeah. I have a hard time picturing David Ajala in that crazy mode Mm-hmm. You know when he's going after, but but maybe that's one of the changes too. Maybe it doesn't happen mm-hmm. like that. Maybe yeah. he is trying to do survival, but then runs into a really realizes he needs Jerry's help. Maybe because he realizes mm, mm-hmm. Jerry has a has a ship. Maybe there's some stuff we can scavenge from that to make a communicator or something like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then that then that would work mm. for me. Yeah. Okay. okay, that's that's, that's my that's my partial answer. Okay, I have other right. changes to make, but I'll talk about that after. Okay, Chris or Steve goes. Steve, you want to go yeah, next? Yeah, Steve. Uh, okay, go. here goes here goes the ranting. Okay, um, bring it on. They've already done a reboot of this film, Star Trek Enterprise, Enterprise the Dawn? episode Dawn. Oh. In forty-two minutes, they did everything. The whole <laughs> sequence of two enemies hating each other, working together surviving but they did it in a 20 less than 24 hours so it was short to the point and then also the crew of the enterprise has to Mm. work with the alien crew to devise a way of retrieving the two characters um trip and and the alien on the ascarians or something i forget the exact name Mm. on the planet so it's been done and to me that episode fantastic (laughs) But well, if you oh, go ahead, I was gonna say, if, if, if you're going through the trope of that, then uh-huh. before Enterprise in Star Trek, the next generation, the episode, uh, the enemy, when mm-hmm. LaForge is stranded with a Romulan. OK, it's very, yeah. it's very similar. Yeah. To that, that, that one didn't come. OK, so anyway, yeah. when the author of that episode of Enterprise was done, John Sybin, he was accused of plagiarizing enemy mine. Oh, <laughs> Yes, for Enterprise, and oh, you know something that's fine with me. He did a better job, you know. And as for plagiarizing <laughs> goes, plagiarizing goes, they plagiarized so much in this film from Robinson Crusoe on Mars. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Crash landing on an alien planet that is totally inhospitable, with no life what to be ever the scene. 
You would meet an alien and a human come together, working together. There's a snowstorm in the film. There is a meteor shower in Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Ultimately, they're saved by the humans at the end of the film. Um, you didn't have a baby in it, but you had a monkey called Mona, and she was pretty darn good in that film. And and also for additional plagiarizing, <laughs> hey, kids, you know that creature that was in the sand pit with the tentacle that came out? Was that the Sarlacc from uh, Empire <laughs> Strikes Back? Yeah. But because they also it sure get that was. From, but didn't they also get that from Dune? You're, well, yes, and also uh-huh. and, well. Remember, they said that uh, that uh, uh, J- George Lucas stole a lot from Dune to make Star yeah. Wars, and <laughs> and and just think about it. When that creature grabbed Willis's leg and cut into it and did that, Adina, don't you think that whatever bacteria was on that creature? Probably would have killed Willis in a very short period of time without. Well, that's why they had a, they took the thing and they had to burn all the, you know, that's why they cauterized yeah. it and all that. Uh, I, and then again, when you mentioned earlier about the, <laughs> yeah. eating the worm, well, they, they should Willis never have survived any of those yeah. meteor shots. I mean, like yeah, there's, there's they, a thousand. Yes, yes, yeah, they should not yeah. have survived this. <laughs> no, sure. and, and and eating that weird food, you know, the mm-hmm. the little green blub or the worm. What do you think it did to Willis's digestive tract? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not really good. So, uh, yeah, that was, and again, they they use that in Robinson Crusoe where he eats the weird stew and he gets sick. So I I, I just feel like I think that Enterprise did, or even the episode you mentioned from TNG, probably did mm-hmm. a, a better job of portraying that storyline in mm-hmm. a short period of time. Well, I think there's something to be said mm-hmm. about, like, you know, we we just, are, for in between, we wrote Flash stories, and there's something to be said for getting to the point. Yeah. And uh, this film does take a while. Like, like you asked about, are there any changes you would do, make? I would, I would not spend as much time on the planet with just Drake and Willis. I would have tried to shorten that up a little bit. And and uh, and also the bad guys who were holding the slaves, uh, that was extremely over the top eighties villainish. Also oh, yeah, taken yeah. from Robinson like, Russo on Mars. Just terrible, over the top villainy and acting, which they were directed. Robocop. I mean, it's all it's directed. Yeah, I, I, I yes. enjoyed how terrible they were. Yeah, and the villain guy was from. Uh, Blade Runner, he was one right. of the, mm-hmm. the it's good, mm-hmm. it's time to die, you know, he was the yep. bad guy in that. Yep. What about you, Chris? You said, so, who would you recast? Or So this is a this is a weird one, bear with me. I've been watching a lot of Bones, but I'd say oh. for Willis, I'm going to go with TJ Thine because he does a good job of playing like the smart scientist. He could... Um, like aspects of like, hey, we got to survive. We got to survive. He does a really good job of that. He plays understanding very well, but he also does crazy pretty good when he's mm-hmm. like when there's episodes where he's going through something or mm-hmm. something really significant where he's like, we got to We got to figure this out. Like, we can't let this person go. Um, so I'd pick him because like, again, Bones is on my mind. We're on like season eight now. So we're working through that. Yeah. Um, and then for the Drac, this is this is a cheap one. Maybe this is a too much of a cheat. But Tony Todd, I feel like you can't go wrong with Tony Todd in makeup. Yeah, because Tony he has such Todd. a good voice. The only the only uh, issue would he be played, is that he played Worf's brother in the Next Generation. Oh, he played okay. Worf's brother. Uh, he, played he was Cisco's an arrow. adult son. 
in yep, Deep Space he Nine. is now in the new Spider-Man game is Venom. So I just feel like he has that gravitas. The only thing that might detract is that he's Tony Todd, and he might be a little distracting because you're like, oh my gosh, it's Tony Todd. But, but I feel like you can't go makeup, wrong. I feel like, again, there's yeah. at, at the time Enemy Mind came out, it's like, oh my God, it's Lou Gossett Jr. Right, okay. You know, so, yeah. So yeah, I feel like, you know what? Yeah, okay. I'll stick with Tony I'll take Todd. Tony Todd. Yeah. In terms I like of that choice. Okay. changes, so there's two things. One, I feel like it'd be very difficult to remake this movie because I feel like it's a concept we've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. And like other shows have done that. And so I don't feel like that's a fresh idea. Mm-hmm. I will say with the David Car- uh, David Caruso, <laughs> sorry, Robinson Caruso <laughs> on bars. Uh-huh. I felt like there's definitely elements of that. But for me personally, I enjoyed this a lot more. So I felt like they took some of those elements. Okay made them more interesting mm-hmm. but like let's say the studio was already like we're doing it you don't have a say this is the storyline i'd say you gotta you gotta tighten up the pacing like i appreciate they only did a hundred uh, like an hour and 40 minutes where i feel like now if the movie was made it would be a three-hour movie oh no but i think you really gotta like <laughs> yeah, i don't yeah. think you should do it i, but I, I think I feel this like film I think it felt long at an hour it, no, and 40 it, minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, felt I, long. I'm I agree not saying, with you, Brian. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it should be three hours. I just feel like studios have a tendency now to make everything two and a half hours. But I would I would really urge them to like make it a lot shorter. I would say tighten some things up, maybe. But this is this is where I struggle because the film felt like it was longer than an hour and 40 minutes, but I felt like they got to him understanding that he needs to work with this guy a lot quicker than what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But then there was a lot of slow parts in the mid, like in the middle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how you would tighten up the pacing, but I feel like the pacing would be the number one issue. The bad guys I enjoyed. I love how over the top they were. I just loved how like every single minor who were like, they're not even trying to, well, I don't think they set out to be evil. But it's like in that moment, like, how evil can mm-hmm. we be? And it's just like so extreme. It's ridiculous. But it's like, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Even though maybe it's not the right movie for that. Because mm-hmm. it's like meant to be a right. serious thought-provoking what, film. Sure. And it maybe Okay, let me ask one question. What yeah. did you guys think of the special effects in this film? For 1985. 19th. Yeah. It, it, Same. It, they seemed very Japanese 1960s quality. The... The, the the spacecraft, the effects, mm-hmm. the suits, the things like that, it seemed like they really didn't – well, again, they didn't invest a lot in that really as as much as I thought for a 1980s film compared to what, what uh, James Cameron did or George Lucas did with their special effects. Well, that's the it thing. Just, is I think that just budgetary-wise, just comparison, yeah. given given looking at what was spent on this, it's it makes sense. You know, it, it's yeah, not, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, I think it was fine. The sets, the sets are still around. Did you guys know that? No, where uh, are they? You, I can't, I don't know where they're located, but a special I watched said that the, a music band just recently actually used the sets for their music video, a well-known yeah. band, and that you can actually go tour these things. Where did they shoot this film? I mean, because the the desolateness of it was oh, it's it's o- o- overseas somewhere. Okay, overseas. North America. Okay, it probably says if we looked it up. Yeah, I I, I, I missed that at the end. Yeah. Watching you know, the credits, it, I, did I think not the see same it's... studios that mm-hmm. uh, Peterson mm-hmm. directed. It Never was Ending shot. Story it was made in Germany, so maybe the film should have been. Enemy M E I N mine. Oh, yeah, mine. Oh, <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Okay. There's your there's your well, German language joke of the day. There sorry. we go. Thank you. So All with right. that, 
everyone. <laughs> I think that that kind of sums up all the questions that I had. So, you know, Cosmic Adventurers, that's going to wrap up our interstellar safari through the 1985 classic Enemy Mine. Now, I'd say it's been a five-star journey, unlike the Yelp reviews Davich and Jerry would give their stranded planet. Ooh. If you got, you like that, I do like that. <laughs> if you've got thoughts on impossible friendships or survival etiquette or alien roommates, then beam them over to us at the big sci-fi podcast at gmail.com. And as always, a big thanks to you, our fabulous listeners, for continuing to join us on our journey from one end of the sci-fi universe to the other. Before we sign off, please don't forget to subscribe, like, and share, because remember, in space, no one can hear you podcast. Oh, ah, that was good. Okay. That's well, a until reference. Our next, <laughs> until our yeah, next yeah. Cosmic Rendezvous, please keep those phasers on, phasers on fun, treat each other kindly, and may your own enemy mind turn into a friend of ours. So remember, we're part of the Trek Geeks podcast network, so make sure to explore trekgeeks.com for more Trektacular content. And then come see all of us at Trek Long Island next May. And by all of us, I mean Trek Geeks, us, Sci-Fi Sisters, might be some other podcast there. I don't know yet. Mm -hmm. So live long and prosper, everyone. And don't miss the next grand episode of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>